Hey, Todd. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Great. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Cool. Well, looks like we're going to have another great podcast on the Gilded Age. Yeah, what are we talking about today? Uh, today, we're going to lightly cover topics such as political machines, philanthropy, uh, entrepreneurship, and laissez-faire, if I said that correctly, and I know I didn't. Yeah, we'll just call it good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, political machine, let's kick that one off. Uh, I know that, you know, we hear the term, but what does the term really mean? Uh, for politics, party organization in the U.S., especially during this time, you know, we're talking about an organization ruled by a single boss or a small group. Uh, they gain enough votes and they maintain political power. This could be a city, a county, a state. Uh, there's one that definitely during the Gilded Age that kind of exemplifies the political machine and that would be uh, Tammany Hall and Boss Tweed. I know in history class we focus on old Boss Tweed and, and the Tammany Hall political machine and all the corruption that occurred and they were pretty rotten to the core. They were, they were very much so and, and he was kind of the head of that. Um, very interesting history about it uh, when you talk about the ability to control what went on in the city. This this gentleman here, Boss Tweed, during his time, and he started out as a U.S. House of Representatives uh, back in 1852. Now, 1858, he was New York County Board of Supervisors. Uh, eventually, he'd be elected to the New York Senate. But most of his influence came by his uh, being appointed board members of multiple commissions. And that's where he exalted a lot of his power. Uh, and influence in the city of New York. But, let me just give an example of some of the things he was on at that time. He's the third largest landowner in New York, the director of the Erie Railroad, director of the 10th National Bank, director of the New York Printing Company, proprietor of the Metropolitan Hotel, significant stockholder in the Iron Mines and Gas Companies, board member of Harlem Gas Light Company, board member of Third Avenue Railroad Company, board member of Brooklyn Bridge Company, and the president of Guardian Southern Bank. I'd say this guy probably had some influence. He definitely had his hand in just about everything in New York City. So, at this time we get things going on and probably some key words to think of when you think a political machine would be kickbacks, embezzlement, patronage, kickbacks being you know, bribery or commission paid, uh, examples, uh, if there was work being done by the city and you wanted to get the uh, bid to do it, you're going to have to bid high and then pay a kickback or a bribery to whoever accepted your bid within the city. Uh, embezzlement, you get the act of withholding assets for purpose of theft. So if within the city uh, you know you took some money and you used it for personal expenses, now we got some embezzlement. And one of the more influential things during this time would have been patronage. And that would have been using state resources for electoral gain, and that's how they got a lot of their votes. Trying to make sure the poor, migrant, immigrants, uh, those in need, you know, there was some benefit for those because they knew they could be taken care of, get a, find a place to live or get fed. But the expectation coming back to those uh, groups was that you're going to vote for the people that got you there. Todd, from what I understand, um, he had his guys 
making promises and shaking hands to the immigrants just as soon as they unloaded off the ship. And of course we know from recent podcasts about uh, immigration that it's during this time period of about 1870 to 1900 where we see a lot of immigrants coming in from Eastern Europe and Southern Europe. And these people, uh, after they had made that long voyage, and they had they would spend about every penny that they had raked up just to get the family over and they had come to a foreign country and uh, there were so many people from different countries that didn't even have a common language that they were just so willing to get help from just about anybody that would make them these promises and offers yes and this is where we get the machine so the people are there to see them off the boats get them a place to stay, tell them where to go to work, uh, and in return you look out for us in the next election. So a, a huge machine operating from the very lowest levels to give the power to the highest levels. Uh, and it worked quite well for a while. Now, does it catch up to them? Yes, it does catch up to them eventually. Uh, usually the thing, you know, when teaching about the Gilded Age, we never get to get into details of whatever ended up happening to Tweed. What was the end result for him? And uh, eventually he would get convicted of stealing an amount estimated in 1877 being 25 to 45 million from New York City taxpayers. Uh, this was through political corruption as we discussed, although later estimates may have ranged at as high as 200 million. Hmm. Uh, now, he was unable to make bail. He escaped from jail at least once. They got him back in custody, and that's where he ended up dying, Ludlow Street Jail. So the, uh, the ultimate result for him wasn't that great, but the time that he had, uh, he influenced a lot of power. And it was very uh, emblematic of the time, uh, very, very much something that wasn't just happening in New York. But you can't really talk about the Gilded Age and political machine without mentioning Boss Tweed and Tammany Hall. For sure, for sure. You know, Todd, um, how do your history students feel about guys like this? Do they do they feel like that that, that he kind of got away with something, or or maybe he got caught up at the end, or what? What's your feel on that from your students? You know, I think I get kind of mixed feelings. You know, people seeing the abuse and not liking it, um, but I think too there's also for some some there's an admiration of the ability to control your destiny and make a lot of money and, and have a lot of influence. Uh, but the ethical side of it definitely weighs heavy on them. Yeah. Speaking of that, of, of having the opportunity to get out there and make your fortune for yourself and, and that kind of thing leads kind of into the next little mini topic today and that would be entrepreneurship. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely very hard to try to paint the Gilded Age um, really into that that golden outside uh, and of course that's where where uh, Mark Twain had given it its name it was rotten in the center but looked shiny on the outside but um, in in looking at the entrepreneurship of the time period um, we've talked about places like our people like John D Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie and JP Morgan and so forth um, and, and they were great philanthropists of the time. And if you're not familiar with the definition of philanthropy, uh, this is um, according to businessdictionary.com. They 
define entrepreneurship as the capacity and willingness to develop, organize, and manage a business venture along with any of its risk in order to make a profit. The most obvious example of entrepreneurship is, of course, starting your own new business. In economics, entrepreneurship is combined with land, labor, natural resources, and capital in order to produce a profit. And it kind of comes along with a spirit that's tied to it. An entrepreneurial spirit is characterized by innovation and risk-taking and is an essential part of a nation's ability to succeed in an ever-changing and increasingly competitive global marketplace. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of the, the cons of the Gilded Age. Um, child labor, the poor treatment of immigrants, uh, the dangerous conditions uh, that existed in the factories for the workers. Um, crime was on a rise and sanitary conditions for sure, and, and I definitely don't want to, to, to undermine those, those uh, characteristics of it at all. Uh, they're very important to, to bring out. Um, but actually, there were a few pros of the Gilded Age, especially dealing with entrepreneurship. Um, a lot of these immigrants that came over were actually able to open up their own new businesses. Um, they may not be near as big and significant as John D. Rockefeller or Andrew Carnegie, but they did have the opportunity, um, and the opportunity was here and not in the country that they had came from. Um, factories would advance and make new products in large quantities so that even the, the lower and the middle class of people could actually afford a lot of these, um, a lot of these products. Henry Ford is a great example of that. I believe that it was he had gotten the the price of a brand new Ford vehicle down to about three hundred and fifty dollars, and his goal was to make it toward to where every American family could own at least one of them. Machinery uh, would become uh, more efficient and more effective as the demand for these products increased, and uh, the cities would expand. Uh, the creation of the middle class is one of the big ones. A lot of these factories needed managers, and these managers would start to develop what would be known as the middle class. And the middle class is actually going to uh, take a strong influence in politics and in the economy uh, by the year 1900. So, and of course, there's going to be a shift in population from the countryside to the urban cities um, where these people are coming in for the jobs that are in the urban cities. Uh, they're coming in to the, to the city um, for entertainment. Um, this is going to be a time period where we're going to see a lot of new entertainment come in like uh, Coney Island. Um, it's going to be a little bit later on in professional baseball, the horse races, the boxing matches. And this sort of thing. So, um, Todd, have you ever been to a boxing match, by the way? No, I can't say that I ever have been. I've been to quite a few wrestling matches as a youth, but uh, no boxing. Well, I tell you, neither have I. But I did participate in the Golden Gloves boxing when I was a kid. And after my second bloody nose, I, I figured out pretty quick that I should try a new um uh, New hobby for sure. New adventure. Yeah, definitely.
Well, I know we talk a lot about the Gilded Age and in the negative aspects of it, um, but when you talk about the positive side, and definitely for those who are very pro-market, um, you know, the growth that occurred had a lot to do with government staying out of business way, and, and we refer to that today as laissez-faire. And that staying out allowed the entrepreneurship, it allowed for the innovation and the creation of all the things that occurred. Now, was there bad side effects? Absolutely. But we also see, as Mike said, a growth of, and development of a middle class that uh, at the turn of the century we'll start to see that the answers and solutions may not come from the leaders in the industry and business, and we may have to get a little more involved and we start to see a progressive movement, which would be the next era or period that we would move into after this. But you know, the lifestyle for those as far as existed you know, post-reconstruction, largely farming to by the turn of the century, most is now urban and living you know, near cities, and you're more likely to be working in a factory than you were in a farm as opposed to 50 years earlier. The world had really changed. Uh, definitely during that time. You know, the this time period, uh, especially with the, the laissez-faire style of, of of government, where they it was a hands-off approach. You didn't have a lot of the higher taxes. You didn't have a lot of the regulations. Um, and and of course, uh, we we're looking at uh, this is a lot of the abuses took place um, because of this but if you're an open market or, or a, a free market type of economist um, this this is kind of a, a, an attractive way to look at things because um, these economists uh, perceive this this style is is uh, pro-growth growing growing an economy allowing companies to expand um, and and uh, of course that that can have a very positive effect on our entire economy. But of course, as the Gilded Age is coming to a close in about 1900, 1902 or three, we're seeing we're going to see a period known as the Progressive Era that will pick up here, and we're going to have presidents such as Teddy Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, and and Woodrow Wilson. Uh, that will be known as our progressive presidents and and this is where a lot of these new bills uh, will be uh, proposed and, and new laws will be created and um, we're going to see a lot of these these things uh, that that were corrupt and bad during the Gilded Age uh, hopefully to start to be corrected there so so you're mentioning Henry Ford earlier so let's use that as a segue into philanthropy uh, philanthropy, which basically the wealthy donating or giving money back to the good or moral good or welfare of those uh, and making the world a better place. Uh, we have a significant amount of philanthropy during this age because we had a large accumulation of wealth. Uh, so when we talk about Henry Ford, Rockefeller, Morgan, Carnegie, names you can't not mentioned when talking about the Gilded Age because they made a ton of money. Um, they also gave some of it away too. Uh, Henry Ford, you know, as Mike had described, what he did with the auto industry and the assembly line and better wages, lower cost for a new car. Uh, domestically, he did uh, work on inner city revitalization. 
he worked in the development of public broadcasting, and uh, he supported the arts as well. Uh, Andrew Carnegie, who uh, at the age of 12 started in a textiles factory, would go on and you know to make a massive fortune in the steel industry. Uh, a lot of his uh, money went towards public libraries. The, all these guys kind of had special interest. Uh, for Carnegie, it was public libraries. There were other things that he did as well. Uh, but uh, public libraries was kind of his little niche. Uh, J.P. Morgan made loans to growing businesses, later gained control of the bankrupt railroad, turned it around, controlled multiple diverse companies, and would eventually buy Carnegie Steel in 1901. Uh, he was a patron of the fine arts. Uh, for him, museums, natural sciences was where a lot of his money uh, got pumped back in. And we got John D. Rockefeller. Uh, phenomenal job in getting rid of competitors in the oil business. Uh, 1882 Standard Oil, uh, his company owned or controlled 90% of the oil refining in the country uh, by that date of 1882. But uh, for him, his, his philanthropy went more towards the study and application of modern medicine, higher education, and scientific research. So we see tremendous growth in some of these areas and uh, due to the money accumulated by uh, a few. You know, I, I, um, as I study these guys, especially Rockefeller and Carnegie, um, it seemed like these men had got to a point in their life um, after they had made their fortunes after they had built their businesses up and they had accomplished these great tasks and then it was almost like they said okay what am I going to do now and it seemed like they went down the philanthropist trail and and started to give away a lot of that money and and of course as Todd was talking a second ago um, you know today we can uh, we can go to these uh, Carnegie libraries and and Rockefeller Plaza and and these buildings and these um, services are still uh, helping Americans today. So they we still uh, feel the effects of their uh, philanthropy actions for sure. Todd, looks like we're time is running or drawing near, and we need to wrap this uh, podcast up. Uh, do you have any other comments to say? No, I think we probably did a good job of covering the topics. You know, we talk a lot about the negative aspects of, you know, the side effects of the Gilded Age, but there were some good things that came out of it as well. Uh, I think we got a pretty good wrap on it today. Yeah, sure do appreciate you listening to our podcast, and we'll have one coming up in the near future that will wrap up the Gilded Age, and we'll be talking about the cattle boom and... Uh, labor unions and Indian policies and just just some more good history stuff over the Gilded Age. But sure do appreciate you listening in. We'll see you next time.